You're listening to Fair Game with your host, Robert Smith. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fair Game podcast. We got a good one for you today. Today's guest has served as the CEO and executive director of the Wisconsin State Fair since October of 2016. In 2017, she was named a Milwaukee Business Journal Woman of Influence and also named among the Business Journal's top power brokers in 2018 and 2019. 2021 marks your 24th year at Wisconsin State Fair Park. Folks from the Wisconsin State Fair, this is Miss Kathleen O'Leary. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate you your time today and you being on the show. I read your bio, your, uh, your staff sent it over. You're busy up there in Wisconsin. Give us some background on how you came to be involved in the Wisconsin State Fair. Well, a mere 24 years ago, um, when I moved up here to Milwaukee from Chicago, I went to college in Wisconsin, but um, it's in the beer business. Long story short, when I decided to stop commuting from Milwaukee to Chicago, because I was going to lose my mind, um, I started looking around and I am a big one to profess that you never burn a bridge because someone that I had worked with in the beer business that actually ran a large venue that we, I worked for Jihan Brewing Company, he ran it and we were the exclusive beer there, knew me from a million years ago, right? And his name was Rick Bjorklund and 24 years ago, he was the director of the Wisconsin State Fair. And once he got wind, I, I honestly never thought I would see Rick Bjorklund again while I was in the beer business in Chicago. He had moved to Wembley, to England. He moved his family to England. We said our goodbyes. Did I ever think I was going to see him again? Honestly, no. Um, and my phone rang and he said, hey, O'Leary, I hear you're looking to move up and get a job up here in Wisconsin. I said, I, I am. I said, I'm actually about to sign on the dotted line of, of a an ad agency. And he said, oh my gosh, come and talk to me. So the long and short is that 24 years ago, I was lured into what Rick Bjorklund believed was number one, the greatest industry in, in the world. And I totally agree with him. He uh, said that it was a perfect fit for me. And I think he was right because I've loved my 24 years and they've been colorful and there's been highs and lows and ups and downs and good and bads, but the industry prevails through it all. Yep, it really does. And this is definitely one of those uh, those down years, but we will look back at one point uh, in the future and we'll, it'll hopefully just be a blip on our radar. I want to talk for a second about being the Milwaukee Business Journal Woman of Influence um, in, a, in an industry such as ours that for so long has been male-dominated and is definitely seeing a surge of young female leaders in this industry. What does that mean to you to be named the Business Journal's Woman of Influence? I was humbled. I'm still humbled. It's such an incredible honor. Um, and I take every bit of it very serious. Um, this is, this is a pretty, this is a very prestigious, prestigious accolade to have in, in Milwaukee. It's with the business journal. Um, I just, I, I think that the beauty of, of women that are influential and are community leaders and are making a difference in, in whatever community. And I'd like to think that I'm making a difference in the Milwaukee community and the state of Wisconsin as, as, as an overall state. 
by just taking into account, and it's not just women. I am certainly, I my best mentors are men. And I grew up in a man's business. I, like I said earlier, I started in the beer business at a very young age. I was certainly the minority by my gender and my age. So it's been something that I guess is just a, a where I'm supposed to follow suit. Because when I came in 24 years ago, when I went to IAFE, that annual convention, you know, you could probably count the, the women at that time. And that is absolutely, you know, opposite of what it is now. And it's awesome to watch. And I think women from a, the standpoint of just their ideas on, on operations or ideas. I mean, look at women in engineering, look at, at women in, in management. And, you know, you talk about breaking the glass ceilings and I, I certainly don't want to go there as a negative. I want to go there as a positive that, Together, men and women are so strong in leadership and, and women in leadership are, I think it's just a lot to be said for what, what women can do to lift up not only other women, but just their, their, their people, the staff, that their, their colleagues, and it just brings a different vibe. It brings an entirely different vibe to whatever, that, whatever they're leading, and I certainly feel like I bring a different effect. I bring a different sense tone. The tone always comes from the top, right? So I, I do bring a different tone to the leadership and to the staff at Wisconsin State Fair. And I, I think that everybody's, you know, at least I'm, I'm very straightforward. I'm very forthright. I'm very opinionated. Anybody that knows me will tell you all of those things, but I'm also very fair. I, I weigh things out in a very calculated way. I am influenced by lots of different opinions before I make a decision. I think it's just a lot to be said for the way women uh, lead. Well, it's, it's something to be said for how you lead. I mean, clearly you're doing a great job up there in Wisconsin. Carnival Warehouse has y'all, at least in 2019, we're not going to count 2020 rankings, but back in 2019 had you ranked 15th in the nation with attendance at about 1.1 million uh, it's, that's impressive. Tell us a little bit about that fair. I am so proud of the Wisconsin State Fair. Anyone that also knows me and that's listening to this, I know is smiling and, uh, you know, I could talk about fair all day long. I could talk about the Wisconsin State Fair all day long as well. It's, it's awesome. I mean, the fair industry, again, back to the, the root of who we are, right? It is a celebration of everything we should be so proud of in, in, in our states. Um, and it's that, that fabric that's weaved by all of the county fairs and then ultimately the state fair is just on a larger scale. It isn't any, it's not different per se, it's just on a larger scale. The, the county fairs are, are representing and celebrating their communities and what's indigenous to their communities. We're just taking it to the next level of, we're taking it outside of our, our counties and we're, we're bringing it to the statewide. And the idea that we are the showcase of, of agriculture in the state of Wisconsin, and we represent you know, so much when it comes to that. And when I say agriculture, is certainly it is at the forefront of, of the animals and the breeds, but agriculture is also so much more encompassing when you think of it as, as an industry. And, and to be that showcase, again, is an, is an honor and, and a privilege uh, to, to be able to do that. So um, from that standpoint, I, I just, the Wisconsin State Fair, seven years running consecutively, a million plus people up until we had our lovely pandemic. I, I would like to think that we will get back on track. I don't believe it will be in 2021, um, but we will heal and we will get back to the masses like we once had, I, I trust. 
I, I also am a firm believer and, and have said it on a number of occasions that once we can see the other side of this, we are all going to be stronger. We're going to be smarter. We certainly are going to be more unified because the fair industry through the darkness of this last year of this pandemic uh, have stood so united, so fair strong, right? So, so to Marla and the team and the fair strong, it, it couldn't have been, you know, it was the epitome of what we are and how we spent time together. And, and whether you were at the CEO level and talking to the five other CEOs that surrounded you and the state fairs that surrounded you, or you're on middle management and you're talking to the, the team members that are relevant to whatever it is that, you know, is your responsibility at your fair. We, we got through this because we stayed, we stayed strong. Yeah. We so, stuck it out together. Um, there was a lot of, of teamwork, a lot of, you know, in doing the episode with Marla, the people that she was coordinating with, uh, not only from every fair manager, but OABA, NICA, you know, the Canadian um, fairs, all of these people coming together and, and trying to figure out how do we get the most accurate information to our, our fairs, our membership as quickly as possible. We, we really have tremendous tremendous leadership in this industry and speaking of leadership, uh, this has just been such a challenging year. I'm curious, what's your approach to leadership for your staff during such a tumultuous year? I, I, I want to say that my approach to leadership overall before the pandemic, we restructured. So I would, I've been the CEO for five years and in 2000, the end of 2018, 2019, I, we did a whole change management reimagined. And my team is so incredibly strong, wickedly smart. And a lot of them have been there for a long time. And, and we really took a, a, a ridiculous amount of time to put people in the right places and to empower people to be able to make good decisions and to be good leaders. And I, I couldn't be happier that we did that when we did it because it really saw us through the pandemic because there were really hard decisions that needed to be made by a number of people. So we streamlined that. So I lead by empowering. I, I lead by letting people really, um, I try and strengthen their, where they're really strong because that's, that's the ideal way to do it. And, and when everyone has weaknesses, everyone has weaknesses and there's always room for improvement, but to really hone in on, you know what, it may be a weakness today, but it's not going to be a weakness, you know, in the next four months, we're going to work on these things to make you, you know, be a better manager to do whatever it is that we've defined that we need to, to hone in on. And I have an aging in staff. So at 56 years old, I'm one of my oldest, I'm one of the oldest staff members. So um, literally I, I can count probably, I'm one of probably six that are older than I am. So this aging in staff is, is incredible and they are so dedicated and so passionate uh, that I, I'm humbled to lead them. So um, leading them through this, I think that anyone that's listening to this and probably any of the other interviews that you did and it's not just the fair industry, it's any industry. Leadership through a pandemic was unlike anything that anyone could have ever imagined and is still you know, unthinkable because we're not out of this yet. We are, we are far, we're, we're seeing some light, but we're far from out of it. We're far from normal, right? We're far yep. from where we once thought we were a year ago, 
you know, at this time, you know, early January, we're, we're clicking on all cylinders. We got a whole new staff. They're feeling empowered. They're feeling great. We're coming off of a record-breaking fair. We've broken records in six or seven different areas. It's awesome. We've won a lot of awards. We're the spotlighted. And then here we have the pandemic. It's just this, this screeching halt. And how do you manage, you know, those people through that, um, I, I'm tried to keep them encouraged. I tried to keep them motivated. I tried to keep it super real. I had to keep it super real. They were my managers. They were my management team, my leadership team. You know, yep. a, no enabling, no handholding. Um, tough days, emotional roller coaster. Thank goodness we're in the amusement business because we were all on a roller coaster for a long time. <laughs> um, so that's how I led, and and I also, you know. Communication is my forte. It's where I, you know, cut my teeth, marketing, sponsorship, and communication. I believe in communication when times are good, and I believe in, in over-communicating when times are not. So um, we, we were together virtually, certainly to be safe, but um, kept them engaged, kept them informed. We tried to keep, you know, our people and our, you know, everybody that was involved in the different areas of the fair communicated to on a regular basis. So that's kind of a summer summary of how I tried yeah. to get us to it and through it. And I like what you say there. You, you communicate on a regular basis, but you over communicate in a crisis, which I think is so important because there's just not time for mistakes in, in a situation like this. You have to make sure that you, what you need done, the messaging is clear and then it gets done right the first time. Um, you know, and luckily you've got a really great team there working with you. We've got such great leaders in this industry. One of whom I spoke to early in the season was Jessica Underberg from Erie County. Love her. Uh, you know, she relayed, she relayed to me that one of her biggest heartbreaks, and I totally understand this, was having to let people go um, and, and furlough people. This is not an industry that, you know, it, it isn't a large financial firm where you're just an employee in some division someplace. This, these are friends and family. And it can be brutal when you have to furlough somebody. Did you all face furloughs and layoffs there in Wisconsin? We sure did. We sure did. And it's, you know, when people ask about the whole process of canceling the fair, agonizing is my word that always rises to the top. And the idea of having to eliminate upwards of nearly 40% of my, of my staff was unthinkable and they are to your point it's not oh what is that person's name and facility that facilities worker i mean that's gino that's mary and that's so and so right they're they're by name of the people that we had to you know do either a temporary layoff with no promises right it was a i can't we hope that you can we hope that we can have you back but we couldn't also give false hope we could not make any promises and we couldn't give any timelines. No one right. had timelines, right? When are we going to rebuild? When can we rebuild? I don't have, I sitting here today with you, I, I have a better idea, but I, I can't rebuild my staff entirely. I can rebuild more on the essential side because we're going to start to have shows soon and, and build slowly and steady. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to get my workforce back. Sure. There's just too much unknown still sitting out there for you guys to be able to reliably do it. Yep. How does that affect the climate of your, of the remaining staff that do stay the other 60%? How does that affect the climate at your organization when you have to let go 40%? Again, 
a lot of communication, a lot of this isn't easy. This has been the hardest decision, but I hope that you all, especially when it was to a my leadership team or a middle management team where I brought the majority of the staff together, this is why this is happening. This is why we are going to have to let XYZ go. They are in guest services. We're not having a fair. We have no guests to service. We are not having events. So we need to let the administrative staff and the support staff of the event services team go because we have nothing to administrate, right? Yep. Um, and so really try to share the, the, the practical, pragmatic reasons behind the very difficult decisions that had to be made. Let's talk about your grounds. Change the subject here. Mm-hmm. Um, Fair Park obviously is much more than just the Wisconsin State Fair. Y'all are a year-round event facility, correct? Very much so. And I'm, I'm guessing um, those non, non-fair events probably make up a huge chunk of your revenue as they do for other fairs. Um, have you been able to start hosting non-fair events again, or, or are you in the process of that? Very, very slowly. So in, in Wisconsin, we have to play this part of our grounds is in Milwaukee, which is incredibly restrictive. And then the other part is in West Dallas. So just to, you know, keep the dynamics very interesting. I know. You're, <laughs> wait, 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 well, hold up, back up. Your yes. grounds actually splits jurisdiction. Yes. So like that barn on one side of the street might be restricted, but the horse arena on the other side of the street is perfectly fine. It's, it's one quarter of it. So for those listening that have been to the fairgrounds, it's where Spin City is. It's where our independent Midway is. Okay. That is in Milwaukee proper. And then there's a, a, a trestle of IDAC that, that switches through. And then that rest of the other three quarters of the, the 200 acres is West Dallas. Wow. I know it, it gets interesting, especially when you have fire issues, especially when you have your policing issues. That we're so do, you still, do you have to have like two different fire marshals inspect things and, and all that kind of jazz? We have our own. So I have, we have our own police force and okay. we, we rely on West Dallas from a fire department standpoint, who is on grounds with us. So Got it. we work through that. So it's, but it does make things interesting. So um back to your question. Yes. Yeah. Uh, over the course of the, we have started to have some, more private, um, some volleyball practices in our Wisconsin products. We have not been able to have any shows in our 200,000 square foot exposition center because we have 574 beds as an alternate care facility. Mm. And that alternate care facility was um, commissioned in a year ago, about right now. So early March and was finalized. The keys were turned over at the end of March and it was operational in April and saw 174 patients over the course of the time that it has been up. And the decision has been made that it will stay up um, until about mid-April. So shows in in our big exposition center will hopefully start in early May. And then, like I said, we've had a couple agricultural shows. We've had some small sports shows and then um, but looking forward to a, a large auto show, which we took over because Milwaukee couldn't host it, but we didn't want it to leave Milwaukee. So we're going to take right. over the Milwaukee auto show in May. So that's going to be a nice kickoff. Well, that's terrific. And uh, you actually kind of in part, I think, answered the next question. I was going to ask how Fair Park is supporting your community during the pandemic. And clearly having an, an alternate care facility is one. You know, have you guys been doing any uh, been testing sites or vaccination sites, anything like that? 
We did. We we were a drive-through COVID testing for a two-week window, and then certainly the the ACF alternate care facility. And we are still being sought after as one of the number one locations for a vaccination, a drive-through vaccination that would be on that Milwaukee side um, in the North Lot. So we'll That's see so how that. Funny. Goes. I'm gonna have to get up there one of these years and and see, and and I'll just straddle the line, and I'll be in two jurisdictions at once. There you go. And you're going to get your Brewers baseball. <laughs> yes. I got to get the Brewers baseball for anybody uh, who's seen any of the video clips. You know, I got this, these two cases of baseballs from everywhere I travel. If there's a souvenir baseball, I, I've got them and I got a whole bunch of stadiums back there or a whole bunch of uh, teams represented, but I have not done Milwaukee or the Chicago team. So maybe, uh, maybe somewhere here in the next year, we'll make it up that way and do that. Let's look back at March. To the Wisconsin State Fair, August 5th through the 15th. I think well, we stay encouraged and think that in 163 days, we are going to open our gates and you are going to be there for one of those 11 great days. I would love to, I would love to come there, not only for, I'm just going to go for it, not only for one great day, but for 11 great days, because you know I happen to be an entertainer in the industry as well. <laughs> We're, we'll talk after. We'll talk, we'll talk after. after. Awesome. <laughs> So let's uh, let's take a look back briefly at at 2020. I don't want to ponder you know too much on this anymore because I really want to put it in the past. Um, we're working on the show and transitioning away from chatting about that too much, and now looking forward in 21. But I am curious for March of 2020, you get major cancellations start pouring in, Houston cancels, and the dominoes start to fall. Take us through your decision making process that led to your cancellation last year. It was a um, arduous process, um, you know, it lasted for four months until we actually had to make that very difficult decision on May 28th. Um, our board was intrinsically involved. So I have a 13 member, very politically inclined uh, board. They are all appointed by the governor of Wisconsin. So yes, we have uh, two cabinet secretaries and two representatives and two, <laughs> yes. So, and two senators um, and a mayor. So uh, my board was very involved with the decision of very hands-on chairman as well. So we, the, I think to, to give the, the listeners the idea is really, I mean, not unlike any of the other fairs and any of the other fairs on, on any scale, on any level, you had to exhaust every option, every model, every way in which could we, if we can, how do we do it? How do we seat? How do we get them in the gates? How do we get them out of the gates? How do we get them in the buildings? How do we get them in a building if we have an alternate care facility? I mean, all of the things that I you know, can say, honestly, we exhausted every single one to the umph degree. And by the time that we made our decision as difficult, as agonizing as it was, it was the right decision. I would agree. That's the right decision. I, I would agree. And, and as much as I hate it, um, you know, not only from a, a health standpoint, because so many people were getting sick and, and, and dying, um, but from a financial standpoint, the majority of my cancellations last year weren't actually because at the, because my, most of my fares were on the end of the year. Um, they weren't because of, of COVID itself. It was because of the financial side of it. Um, you know, I had one fair call and say, our state's letting us open. We can run the fair, but we ran modeling numbers. And if we're, 
you know, we've got to be at, I forget what his number was, 78% of attendance just to break even. And we're modeling at 50 to 60%. We're going to lose a half million dollars if we do it. At that point, that's when you fold. That's literally when you put your guards down and you step away from the table and you come back another day. And that was part of that process. Yeah. I mean, when you just can't make, you can't make it work from a safety standpoint and you can't make it work from a financial standpoint, you, you got to make some really tough decisions and, and those were made in yep. late May. When that decision was made and your fair canceled for 2020, what's the atmosphere like around State Fair Park? You know what? I, what I did that week that we knew we were going to make the decision and make it public, I brought everyone together. And I really felt, and I felt all along that it's incredibly important that my staff knows more, knows before the public and, and some things more than others, right? But leadership in particular, my, my 11 top leaders, my chiefs, um, that they can't be the last to know. So I brought about 48 of my, my management team together and said, here's where we're leading. Here's when it's going to happen. And now we need to shift our focus. And we need to think about how can we bring joy to the millions of people that are incredibly disappointed, to ourselves who are incredibly disappointed and create and produce something. We had exhausted our model at that time of trying to be able to do a livestock show. And you know, for that, that was, that was a very hard decision as well. But um, and one that, you know, I, I think we, I wish we could have looked at it from a, from a different lens, but the long and short is that we didn't. So we, but after we exhaust, you know, we, we did go down a very long path with that. I said, shift the focus, let's produce something. I'm going to put it into the camp of two of my, my marketing and my programming chief. And the, you guys kind of work together, but the, the criteria is that it has to be to the standard of excellence of anything that we do and or produce at Wisconsin State Fair. It had to be safe and it had to be monetized. We could not lose money. Okay. And from that came the incredible creation of our highway byway 16 day fair food drive-through, which was the flagship of our Fair Necessities. And the Fair Necessities was the overarching um, 12 components, uh, virtual, touched on all aspects of the fair. We had an entertainment aspect. We had an agricultural aspect. We had a commercial vendor aspect. Um, they all proved to be really, really successful, incredibly positive. We will take away a number of them and continue to do them even when and if we are able to have the 2021 Wisconsin State Fair and into the future because it was so awesome. I mean, spotlighting our agricultural exhibitors was incredible. People absolutely yeah. loved it. Why would we not want to do that even when we are having a fair? Why would we not want to send Wisconsin Products Pavilion boxes around the country, 1,800 of them, to people that couldn't come to the fair? It was great. People absolutely loved them. So a number of those components were, were pulled together. I couldn't be prouder. And the 16-day drive-through was unlike anything that I I certainly could have ever imagined. I mean, it was through our Milwaukee Mile racetrack. So people got to go on the historic Mi Milwaukee Mile. They got to drive on it. And then you came up and it was 
it was a highway theory. So you came in and if you didn't want to go to stop one, you bypass, you didn't get off on the exit to go get the corn dog. You just kept going. And it's the stand two was the one you want. You got off on the exit and you got your corn and then you just eased your way off the exit and right back onto the highway. Um, we had, that's fabulous. It was, it was fabulous. And I think the most fabulous part is we have the racetrack and we have the grandstands and we monitored every single thing that happened for every hour that we were open for those 16 days from the top. So we were able to manage everything too much lines over here. We could, we could call out and do everything that we needed to do. It was, it was pretty incredible. So 58,000 cars came through over the course of the 16 days and, you know, thousands and thousands of people that just on an everyday basis were thanking us and were happy about this. And we couldn't, we couldn't outsource. So it was my staff. It was yeah. management team that was on that track for 14 hours out on a regular basis out there flagging people to make sure they were going the right way and directing them and answering questions and handing out menus. And you just watched a, a really dedicated team make something happen. And, and I'm just going to guess that even though that sounds like it could get pretty miserable, that given the entirety of this, you know, circumstances, you guys were probably uh, absolutely thrilled to be out there doing it. Happier, happier than imaginable on a 98 degree day, standing <laughs> on a, a blacktop racetrack. But yes, and it's what we do. We're all wired differently in this industry, right? So <laughs> that's a great way to put it, Kathleen. We are definitely wired differently. Uh, you know, there's several fairs in your region that are real industry leaders. You guys, the Ohio State Fair, Iowa, the Minnesota State Fair. I think it was Jerry Hammer um, might have said it best when he last year when they, they had to cancel Minnesota and use the analogy of an airplane and how much space it needs to get off the runway. You know, bigger airplanes need more runway and they just ran out of runway at Minnesota. And I think the analogy is perfect. So my question to you, looking ahead at 2021, how much runway does a fair of your size need to get off the ground? The same size runway that the fairs that you just mentioned, and certainly Minnesota and the Jerry's analogy, you know, but the one, the one thing that we have going for all of us in this industry is that we're no longer in completely uncharted waters, right? We were navigating it. it I, it's not as though, I mean, and I'm never shy to call Jerry hammer to call any, you know, anyone in the industry to say, hey, I want to bounce this idea off of you because, you know, you've, you've experienced something. None of us have experienced a pandemic before, right? None of us really, I mean, some of us had experienced canceling fares because of weather or because of, you know, something, but not because of a pandemic. So not having that was something that, you know, we should all write books about, right? But now this year, we know, we know. Did some of us cancel too early? Did some of us cancel too late? We all should know our runway. And for that, that's a gift because yeah. we didn't have that last year. So, you know, our runway, we did our timing last year was the right time to make that very difficult decision. So God forbid, and I say it like that, that I, I hope it doesn't happen, but it would be along those same lines of, of, early summer. Yeah. So you'd be, you know, I'm guessing by mid June, you'd have to be making the decision one way or the other. Yep. Yeah. Well, and it, it makes sense. You know, when you think about it, I think maybe a lot of the fairs that had to cancel last year that were, you know, mid summer to later in the year, are probably a lot better off financially than, you know, I feel so bad for, 
you look at Houston now, they've had to cancel two years in a row. Houston was eight days in, um, you know, Miami, 15 minutes or 20 minutes before they opened their gates there, I guess, County Health showed up and said, shut it down. You can't unspend those marketing dollars. Those vendors can't unspend their stock trailers. That's money that's completely lost, at least in your case, having some run up time to it. You knew where there was a date that you guys were going to have to start making your ad spends and committing your marketing dollars. And you had time to pull that back. And honestly, Robert, it, it is that, but it was much more about our operators, our vendors, our yeah. sponsors, you know, our entertainers, everything. It was as well as what, what and how we needed to internally manage it, right? But it's so all-encompassing. And certainly I think the people that are listening to this you know, are a lot in the majority are in the industry that, you know, I mean, and the normal person doesn't know. I mean, of course, the common person, the, the fair goer that we love and is loyal and supportive and hasn't missed a fair in their, you know, 92 years of life, I, certainly that disappointment. And they can't understand why in the, why in the world would you have canceled so early? Right. And it wasn't early. We pushed it as long as we really could push it. So, um, you know, it's just, those are the kind of things that it's not really their business to know, but now, like I said, at least this year, for those of us that have to make decisions to move forward or to pull back, we do at least have an understanding of our timeline and the length yep. of our runway. Yep. And I think that goes now for everybody, um, cause that's been through it and some fairs, it just depends on jurisdictions. You know, Florida is, seems to be rocking and rolling right now. Uh, my guess is Texas is going to get it going. Um, the big ones probably, you know, Houston had to cancel and I don't know what Dallas looks like for the state fair, but I, I know those smaller County fairs in Texas. When I, when I looked at my calendar last year and I had one fair in West Texas and I told Sarah, I said, if there's any fair, that's going to happen, it's going to be that one because they've got that West Texas spirit of, they don't care what the government says. And they went ahead and they had their fair and they did it safely um, you know, their vendors were down probably, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'd guess 40%, which is pretty hefty, but they managed to have it. And I think just psychologically for the fair, for the vendors to be able to do something and not feel like they got shut up for the entire year is a big deal. Um, you know, I think it's, it's possible the fairs maybe are going to be forced to scale back a little bit if they do open in 2021. And then you run the potential, do you damage the brand of the Wisconsin State Fair if you scale back too much? So how do you, how do you approach messaging um, and, and marketing to your audience to let them know that, if, assuming you have the fair, that, hey, 21 may look a little different, but we're still going to give you great value for your time and money? You know, we've already started because certainly people are asking every day, day in and day out, are you, are you? And our statement at Wisconsin State Fair is that we are going to remain cautiously optimistic. We will be focused on heightened protocols of sanitization and safety, which are always at the forefront of what we've done. I mean, it isn't all that much different for us. I mean, safety first and foremost, and then cleanliness. Our, our motto for years has been safe, clean, and fun. That is, that is, our, that is what we're trying to do. That is what we, you know, what, what our goal is. And that's what we're, that's the story that we're, we're telling. And yeah. if we have to modify so much that we can't have a fair that's going to give the fairgoer the experience that they have come to love over the 170 years, we're gonna have to make some decisions. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I think there is a potential risk to, to damage brands, but I think it's all in the messaging. I know when I spoke with Linnell Smith from the Sydney Royal Easter show, um, their concern, I guess at the point we spoke to her back in November, their government was going to limit this show for this year to 50,000 people per day. Well, you know, most fairs would kill for that, but when you're running right at a million people or just a lick under it, you're talking about a 35 to 40% hit straight up. Um, and how do you run a show and not have people turn on you? Um, and I think it's just all in the messaging. You let them know, look, we've all gotten beat up. We're going to, we're going to do something for the folks here in Wisconsin and make sure everybody that does come is safe and that they have a great time. And just know that somewhere here in the next, uh, hopefully this year, next year, 23 at the latest, we're back to normal and you know, we're without masks and we're back to doing what we do best. I'd like to chat with you a few minutes and get to little, know a little bit more about you. Um, you've been at Wisconsin State Fair Park for over two decades. You don't get into a career like this and rise to that level without some strong leadership qualities. And there are a large number of young fair managers across our industry who are trying to navigate this crisis just like you are, but they don't have the experience that you do. What kind of uh, advice or, or leadership suggestions do you have for those young fair managers who are struggling with this right now? And I've, I've had the privilege to talk to a lot of them. Um, I, I spoke with a, a number of them and, and for that, I, I just, I appreciate that they reached out. I, I reached out to a few that I, I care about and that I know personally, and I don't even know if it's about age and experience, right? I really don't. This is this, the the me's and the Jerry Hammers and the Gary Slaters and you know the Cindy Hoys. I mean, this this again, based on your experience, was unlike anything else, right? But my my best you know advice to anyone that asked for it is staying steady, staying steady. And that is not easy, but it's, it's imperative to see it through and, and to have seen it through, you know, the, those agonizing months and not to go too far to one way and not to go too far to the other too soon, right? It's a balancing act. And you know, like I said earlier, everyone was on an emotional roller coaster, but if you're going to lead, and I also said this earlier, because I do believe it, the tone comes from the top. And if that leader, if you are the leader and you're going to be all over the board and you're going to be emotional, or you're going to be, we're not doing this and we're doing that, it, it, it's not going to go as well as you would have hoped if we can just have people, I mean, trying to get the buy-in of your, of your board, trying to get the buy-in of your staff to understand that there is no crystal ball and there isn't anyone that has any answers for them and that right. we're all in this together, right? We're not the only fair that has a pandemic in Milwaukee. This is, this is worldwide and everyone is experiencing fallout from it and impacted by it in, in some form or fashion. So what we need to do is continue to try and keep our focus, um, go with the changes, flexibility, and you know, just patience are the, the, are the key components. And then I will tell you the level 
that I love to see through this is the resilience, the resilience that has been built because we've been through this and it's, you know, people don't pivot very well. If you, from the majority of people at any level of your career, you like to know where you're supposed to go. You know, you like to know where you're supposed to be, like to know what you're supposed to do. Yes, you have some that are way more innovative and you want to throw this against the wall and see if it sticks, but that's just against the grain of, of, of the norm. And it was trying to get people to understand it's the only way we're going to survive is if you can be flexible and understand that we may be going two steps forward today and we might be going four back tomorrow, but we've got to just hang on tight because the ride is going to be like a stallion on bareback. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Yeah. It's, I don't know how to respond to that. I don't even excellent. know where that came from, but it's, I was, it's uh, that was excellent. But hey, we're we're gonna we're going with it. <laughs> we're going with it. It has been a hell of a ride. I mean, I look back. Um, I, I, you know, we we had some stuff going on here with our our family at the beginning of last year. So, um, I it's I want to say it was probably the beginning of November 2019 was the last time anything in my world felt any semblance of normal. Um, I'm ready to get off this ride. <laughs> I'm ready for this one. Put the horse to the stop stable, it. Right? Um, let me go get on one of the kitty rides for a little bit and go just be on the carousel for a little while. This is, this is the thrill ride that I am just about finished with. Um, you know, it, it's total speculation, but my gut feeling is I think we could see some real changes by the middle to end of this year. I don't know if that's in time for Wisconsin. I'm, I'm really hopeful that it is. Um, I, I'd like all these changes to come now, but I think we're going to start seeing that needle pull back in our favor, probably by June or July. And hopefully by 22, things look more normal. And then, you know, maybe 23, depending on the size of the fair and the metrics and data they need to gather in order to really reopen appropriately. Hopefully by 23, this industry is completely back on its feet. In the meantime, um, I, you know, I don't know if everybody's going to make it. I, I just don't. And there, we've already seen that there are some that that haven't, and that is so unfortunate. And that's when you rebuild, right? And for those, you know, people that we had to to let go, if if we can rebuild and bring them back, that's great. But, you know, I, I just did a mentoring thing, a mentoring session yesterday with about 400 women in Milwaukee, and you know, we did these breakout sessions, and there were so many people that were in my four sessions that would be on these panels that, you know, unfortunately COVID caused them to lose their jobs, but they also reinvented themselves yep. and they, they took this hardship and they, they used it. And that's exactly where I also did with leadership. This hardship is going to make us look at things differently than we ever did. It's going to make us, you know, try some things that we wouldn't have otherwise. Those are the, those are the positives from the, the awful negatives, right. And the, the multiple negatives, but that's good. That's, that's, yep. that is good. And that's where I really wanted them to, to, to really spend their time and the focus. And you just said something that also triggered part of my advice when, when asked is, I mean, know your data, study your data, ask a million questions, watch what's happening, understand your industry, understand the trends, see what's happening and being mindful of all of those things. So that while making difficult decisions, you're being influenced by the data, you know, yes. in this case, during a pandemic, first and foremost, but ultimately, I mean, 
you know, it's, it's what you should be using to make a lot of your decisions. Sure. And, and it's, um, it's going to be critical as fares transition out of this and back to uh, normal operations. Do you, do you go for normal operations in 2022 or do you take that one year to gather more data? Cause it doesn't make sense to go spend the full tamale of your budget on a 2022 fair when the public's not quite ready to come back. If 30% of your public is still freaked out and they're not comfortable yet. And so you're looking at best at 70% attendance, it might not be worth it to, to spend the whole, the whole enchilada in, in 22. You might need to get that data and then go, okay, here's where we're at and make some adjustments. Those things take time and it all varies depending on the size of the fair. Obviously you guys probably have the capacity just because of your size to, to gather data more effectively. Um, but everybody's going to have to do it, whether you're a small four day County fair that gets, you know, 15,000 people or whether you're getting you the state fair of Texas and you're getting two and a half million people, you got to have the data that has to guide, guide reopening and, and how we do it. There's no question about it. No question about it. And then, and the individual parts of the restrictions and the recommendations and, you know, the governances and that's the, also, you know, the fabric of the, this industry that we love so much. And, you know, I mean, look at all of the different fairgrounds, county, state, district, you know, they're all governed differently, hybrid, yep. you know, and that changes, that changes everything on which way they can operate as well. Um, I'm curious, have you ever contemplated what you might be doing if you weren't working there at Fair Park? You know, uh, I haven't had a moment to think about that. And I really, <laughs> this career has given me, you know, just so much joy. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not been, you know, a, a cakewalk. It's actually been really challenging all the way through. There's been some really dark years at Wisconsin State Fair, some really financially challenging deficit years that were were hard in those early 2000s and some really awful decisions that were made early on with a master plan that wasn't didn't do the right things for the the fair park and put us into some really financial straits so you know this hasn't been rosy by any stretch of the imagination but it's just it's it's so fulfilling and there isn't one that looks like the other Right. And the people, and, and in my case, and I, I certainly know I'm speaking for so many CEOs and executive directors, I mean, the staff, the staff and the people that, that pull this together, because we're, we're usually always very lean. I can't think of a fair that's just, you know, exorbitant with staff. So what we have to do to do what we do, which no one understands, and no one's supposed to understand the magnitude of what it takes to put on our events is, is pretty awesome. And coming up the ranks through the, again, you know, came in as sponsorship and then went into, kept sponsorship and went into marketing and then marketing to communications. And then, you know, took on a piece of entertainment and then, you know, and operations to see it from a different lens, which was wonderful. And then to ultimately be interim and then appointed in that same year after the 2016 fair, it's been a really, really fulfilling run. And it's challenged me at every single turn of every core of the person that I am. But right. I do believe it's made me a better mother. I believe it's made me a, a better person. I certainly know that the years have made me be a better leader. That's fantastic. What's your favorite thing about the Wisconsin State Fair? 
I get asked this all the time. Um, and, <laughs> then you should and, have a great answer ready to go. <laughs> you know what? And, and I, I do, but I try and say it. I mean, I'll say it differently because I'm speaking to people that, that know the industry and that's who the audience is. But the joy that the Wisconsin State Fair, but any fair bring, because it's the fabric of the celebration of everything that we should be so proud of, right? But the idea you know, that you, I can stand, you know, from a loft in the Coliseum and look at an, an, a, a full Coliseum and watch the family dynamics of people coming together and, and honestly watching their youth. So be it their sons or daughters or nephews or whoever it may be. And the, the level of pride is, is something that uh, I'll explain it, but I don't know that people will all, uh, you know, I think we can grasp it better, but I don't know that other people can. But it's that combined with the idea that we are truly for 11 days bringing rural to meet urban and they come together and they don't collide, they collaborate, they, they, they get to see lives that are so drastically different and it's so awesome to watch. It yeah. is so awesome to watch and I just, for that, I love, I love to see the hard work, the sweat equity, the, the vendors, there's nothing that I love better when there's a vendor complaining because they got their hind end kicked, you know, and had lines out the door, you know, 42 deep. And it's like, that's what we, what's what we wait all year long for. And as exhausted as we all are, there's so much fulfillment from it. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I, I get the same way when I do the Conjure Fortune Machine. You know, my my big thing is when they come up, they press the button. Conjure says something goofy to them. Everybody laughs. But then I give them a fortune card. And all those fortune cards that I have custom printed for the, the attraction have something meaningful written on them. And so they'll take the card and they start to walk off. And the next person approaches me. And out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody stop dead in their tracks because something whatever was written on that card just resonated with them i may only be one little moment of one little magic moment for their day at the fair but i am one part of 50 other magic moments that make them come back to the fair year after year and i love that it's it's awesome right i mean we've created memories that are going to transcend generations and it's going to go down and down and they can't wait for more. And the idea that that will, that, you know, and that card, you know, in your, in your example, that card may sit somewhere and then three years from now, they're going to see that card again. And what is it going to do? It's going to bring back that great memory for them. And that's yep. what we, that's what we create. We are the creators of those memories. And that's pretty awesome. Yep. I've seen people now, like when I've been out at OC fair, people that had the card the first year I was out there came back the fourth year. I mean, we're talking about, um, big tough guys that pulled their wallet out and they, sh they, they show it to me as I'm doing my thing. And they're like, I still, I mean, they keep it, so you know, great. I see, you know, 16 year old girls post their thing on Instagram. They put it on their mirror in their bathroom. So they see it every day. And I'm like, it's, it's very humbling. Cause I'm just a goofy dude who makes people laugh in a box. Like I, I that means it to me, it's like, what does that mean? I, it's, it's, it doesn't mean much to me. I guess it just is what it is, but it means something to them and they take real value out of that. And there's something everywhere in a fairgrounds that does that. Speaking of that with your fair, if you had a family call you up and say, Hey, you know, we're new to the Milwaukee area. We want to come out to the fair. 
what are three things you tell them they need they have to do at the fair i would tell them that they certainly have to get a cream puff our iconic dairy delicacy that we sell upwards of 400,000 of. And we've, we've done three drive-throughs, which I'm so proud of. So we took that and in the pandemic, we gave back joy to people through the fair food drive-through, but also three different times with cocoa, pumpkin spice and strawberry and cocoa for Valentine's day. So we, we took this, but you have to get a cream puff. You have to share a cream puff, enjoy a cream puff. Um, you really, really should go down the giant slide because anyone of all age, you know, and, and you know, just that, that enjoyment that that can create and, and make you, that child come out and all of us at any age that we are. Um, and then certainly you need to spend some time in one of our many barns in Ag Village. And do you want to go to the swine barn? Does that seem appealing? Or do you want to go see those beautiful, gentle giants of the Clydesdales? And just catch you know a hit show in in the coliseum because it may not be anything that you've ever done before but it will it will not change your life but it certainly will put a little etch of oh my god that fair experience was incredible awesome yeah those Clydesdales are pretty impressive one year when i performed out at la county they were um just a little way down the road for me and they would you know hitch them up and and take the you know walk them through the fairgrounds those animals are impressive. They are massive. They, they are, they're massive and, and probably one of my other favorite things, but you can't explain it unless you're in the industry. It's, it's the backstage. It's the backstage of watching them hitch and what that family dynamic looks like while they're hitching the, the six Clydesdales. And, yep. you know, you have your son that's, you know, eight years old and only stands less than four feet tall. And he's like hitching up a gigantic Clydesdale. It's like, <gasps> and there's not a family member on, that's around those horses that is even thinking twice about it. Right. And yep. also probably to the mornings. I love when I come in in the mornings at four 30 in the morning or whatever the time may be, they come in early and there they are. It's like, it's, three o'clock in the afternoon for a normal person. And here they are at four 30 in the morning, walking the Clydesdales, walking the horses yep. all throughout and shearing the sheep. And that too is probably one of my most precious moments that I cannot wait to hopefully experience again in 2021. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I'm going to tell you what, those are probably some of the most spoiled horses on the face of the planet, how well cared for they are. Um, back in 2015, when I was at LA County, they had moved our area, the circus area out on the North end of their horse racing track. And the Clydesdales were right there. And, you know, the parking lot right back behind, not too far back was where the truck was that moves them. And there was this massive um, downdraft, some kind of gust of wind that came in that took part of the, the canvas off the tent that was covering those Clydesdales. I got to tell you what, their team had that truck in and those Clydesdales secured and out of there within like three or four minutes. I have never seen people move so fast. And then they got the tent resecured. Security came in, closed off the area, got the tent resecured. The wind died down, you know, a half hour or so later and they brought him back in. But I bet it was three to four minutes and all of those animals were out of there. It was so fast. Precious cargo. <laughs> yeah, big time, big time. Listen, I'm really glad you could be on the show. I know we're just about out of time here. Before we go, everyone who comes on my show goes through a little series of speed round questions. So here's a, six quick questions for you. You give me your best answer. You ready? I'm ready. I feel like I'm on like a, you know, Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. It is. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. 
Deep fried Oreos or an elephant ear? Deep fried Oreos. Best ride at the Wisconsin State Fair? Giant slide. There you go. Favorite place you've ever traveled? Greece. When you go to IEFE on the third day of the trade show, are you walking around the trade show with your badge facing forward or facing backwards? Always forward. Really? Always. God bless you for it. That's the running joke among all of us in the trade show. When those badges get flipped backwards, just leave them alone. (laughs) Uh, Okay. You can have a conversation with one historical figure. Who would you pick? My historian, Jerry Zimmerman. And what do you talk about? Because I would give my right arm to have a conversation with him again. And what would you talk about with him? Oh, he just always had, he was 92 years old and there wasn't a, a time that I didn't have a conversation with him that he did not share a story about the Wisconsin State Fair or the Wisconsin State Fair Park that I still didn't know. And he was with me for my entire 24 years until he passed away on December 21st. And I mean, every time, and he was always my go-to. He was, he was truly my historian, but he was a, a man that loved the Wisconsin State Fair, lived and breathed at the Wisconsin State Fair and God bless him. enjoyed all of my stories with him. That's amazing. Uh, and last question, speaking of fairs, what fair would you most like to attend that you have not had a chance to go to yet? I have not been to Texas. You haven't been down to the, the State I Fair in Dallas? Texas State Fair in Dallas. Yeah. That one's on my list too. It's, it's yeah, I think I... That's one of them that's on the bucket list. That'd be terrific. Hopefully, you know, one of these years you get to go, we get everything open and you can go enjoy it. Uh, listen, Kathleen, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. If folks want to get in touch with you, how can they contact you? You know what? You can get me at Kathleen.O'Leary at WISTateFair.com. Kathleen O'Leary, CEO, Executive Director of the Wisconsin State Fair Park. I hope this August I see headlines that you have opened and had a safe and remarkable fair. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for that. And thank you for having me today. This has been very enjoyable. And to the everyone that's listening, I, I wish you nothing but the best for a wonderful, safe, clean, fun 2021 fair season. You've been listening to the Fair Game Podcast. Fair Game is a production of Robert Smith Presents. For more information, please visit robertsmithpresents.com.